Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hi, everybody, and welcome to episode 357 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. This is Adam and just me today. Uh, in the dog days of summer, I'm recording this on Friday, a few days before it comes out. And it is sweltering here in Cleveland, Ohio. Um, I imagine it's probably, if you're in America, uh, a little bit warm wherever you're at. And if you're not in America, um, if you want to send some of those like cool breezes our way, boy, would that be great because it is muggy and thick. It's a hot heat out there, a bit heavy. Um, today's episode is an interview I did with Kat Cho, Back at Book Expo America in New York, Kat's book, Wicked Fox, came out a few weeks ago and got a whole bunch of attention. Um, It's a YA book uh, that is really fun. Uh, It's fantastical, and there is uh, just a lot of really cool things. It's kind of based off of some Korean mythology, which we talk a lot about. Uh, It was a Penguin Random House One World One Book selection, which is very cool, and she was a lot of fun to talk with. We get into some uh, some thoughts about how she realized that her story and her heritage would be interesting to others by the time she went to college. Before then, she didn't really realize um, that you know she, her story could stand out a little bit. Uh, we also talk about how Korean dramas <laughs> relate to young adult literature and the power of having a positive writing group, which is very cool. Uh, she said a lot of really powerful and, and cool stuff about her heritage and her background, but also just about like why uh, people of all ages like reading young adult content. Um, and also she gave some really cool advice about trying to get a book published because this was her first debut book. <laughs> first debut, that's the same thing. This was her debut novel. Uh, and she's also uh, belongs to this writing group of people who are kind of experiencing the same thing she is. Uh, so she had some really interesting and unique thoughts uh, on, on all of that, which I think you'll really enjoy. I just want to do a little bit of housekeeping. There's some really cool things going on over the next couple months that you may have seen or you may not have. Uh, first up, if you are outside of the United States and listening to this, um, if you are a listener from Canada or the United Kingdom or Australia or New Zealand, we have a program going on at Overdrive called Together We Read. Uh, if you've been listening for a while, you'll probably be familiar with our Big Library Read program, which is a global book uh kind of a a global book community where everybody reads one book, like a book club at the same time. Uh, Together We Read is the same thing, but it's for specific countries. So our listeners in Canada, uh, your libraries will have a uh, upcoming Together We Read book club that starts on August 15th. And if you are in Australia and New Zealand, you will have a book club that is starting on August 8th. And if you are in the United Kingdom, you'll have a book club that is starting actually August 1st, so coming up really soon. Uh, and they'll all work the same way as the Big Library Read Program, where you guys can go to your library's uh, Overdrive website or just go to Libby and open it up. And on those dates when the program starts, you'll see one title that you're all able to read at the same time 
uh, without any wait lists or holds. And then you can go to togetherweread.com, select your country, and you'll be able to find a really cool discussion board where all sorts of people from all across your, your country, your territories, and the world will be discussing the book as well. So it's, it's a really cool program. Um, I think you guys should check it out. It's, it's really excellent. Uh, and we'll have some interviews for all the various authors coming up. So if you go to togetherweread.com, you can see the book specific for your country there as well. And then the other thing, um, which you may have noticed or may have heard or seen on the social medias, uh, we announced it uh, about last week as well. Uh, Jill and I will be hosting an event with Elvis Duran here in Cleveland, Ohio, more specifically the Parma branch of the Cuyahoga County Public Library. Uh, Elvis announced this on his nationally syndicated show and also on social media. Um, He is going on a book tour and one of the stops will be here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So, and again, it's the Cuyahoga County Public Library. Uh, So if you want to come to this event, it's going to sell out very quickly. Um, But if you're listening to this and you're in Northeast Ohio, or if you want to do some traveling uh, to come to Northeast Ohio, just go to Cuyahoga County. If you just search for Cuyahoga County Public Library on the the internets, you can actually just go to CuyahogaLibrary.org. They have an events page and just search for Elvis Duran. It's on October 7th, which is a Monday, and the event is at 7 p.m., uh, and they have a lot of tickets that they will be selling, but it's definitely going to sell out when they made the announcement. I think about half of them got sold out within the first few hours. So don't wait. Uh, it is a ticketed event. So there is a small cost to come to the event, but you know, the price of your ticket will give you, uh, you'll get a free copy of Elvis's uh, new memoir coming out. So really excited about that. Um, Again, if you're in Northeast Ohio, come hang out with us in Elvis Duran on October 7th. If you're any of my friends listening to this, please stop texting me. I do not have free tickets for anybody. I'm sorry. Um, that goes for family members as well. But come and, come and hang out with us in Elvis and say hi. Uh, it'd be a lot of fun. That's October 7th. So, okay. I think that's all the housekeeping. If I missed anything, we'll just let you know about it in a couple of days here. Um, so I will let you get to my interview with Kat Cho on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. <laughs> Hey everybody, I am joined by Kat Joe today. We're still hanging out at Book Expo. Yeah, it's Book Expo, not Book Con. I've been awake, awake for a long time today. Uh, her debut novel, Wicked Fox, comes out in June and was chosen as the Penguin Random House One World, One Book pick. Kat was gracious enough to disappear from her little plan of other writers to take some time and chat with me. So first off, Kat, thank you for stopping by. Yeah, it's a pleasure. And I know that this is kind of your first novel and first experience like this as a writer so how's everything going so far um overwhelming in the best way mm-hmm. um it's like like a lot of highs and then just like some moments where I'm just like oh my god am I really doing this yeah. kind of a feeling so I know that just recently because I was sending before we started recording I was like fanboying on your, your YouTube stuff I know that you like just recently got to see the actual version of your book and the final so is like this experience at Book Expo kind of the first time like seeing it out in the wild with people or have you gotten to see people's reactions? Um, the final version isn't here uh-huh. so I haven't seen anyone like carrying it around yeah. um, but I actually I had an arc with me earlier and I was just like oh I'll go to the Penguin booth and I'll take a picture of myself with it you right. know and of it'll course. be cute like for, for my social media yeah. and 
And I didn't realize that like people would just assume it was here. <laughs> so I feel oh, no. really bad. I feel like I tricked people. Yeah. And it was totally un- unintentional, but like I did. I like I trolled I trolled Twitter. <laughs> so jo- so I shouldn't post a picture of the three of these sitting on our table right now. Is what I you're mean, saying. if you do, like you're you're like you're at oh, your we- own risk that people will like like message you and be like where did you get but we that? already talked about this these are these are our we'll give away one of these these are ours we're not giving yeah. these out sorry I, will, I guess i'll be respectful so be respectful. Yeah. so we usually start a podcast with having the author tell us a little bit about your book just because i hate being the one to talk about plot because i'm always afraid i'm gonna <laughs> say too much so i will let you kind of give your explanation as to how you talk about Wicked Fox. Um, so it's a contemporary fantasy young adult novel. Uh, it's based on Korean mythology, mm-hmm. specifically the Korean myth of the Gumiho, which is um, the Korean version of the nine-tailed fox. Um, so she is immortal. She can turn into a beautiful woman to lure in men so that she can devour their energy mm-hmm. in order to stay immortal. Um, and in and in Wicked Fox, it's the main character is a teenage Gumiho living in modern day Seoul, trying to reconcile the murderous side of her with the side of her that tries to coexist with humans. Um, and of course, she falls in love with one. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you, you got to do that. She has to. Right, yeah. exactly. <laughs> okay, so for kind of the uninitiated, because admittedly before I saw the book, I didn't, I will be honest, I didn't know a lot about Korean mythology. So is this something that like, is it something comparable? Like, is there a number of these myths that you grew up with that kind of lay the groundwork for the stories that you wanted to tell? Um, I, I wouldn't say that, like, I grew up with them in the same sense that, like, um, Western audiences, like, grew up with, like, Little Mermaid like or Cinderella. Disney, yeah. yeah, like that kind of stuff. Um, partially because I am Korean-American. Mm-hmm. So I also grew up with American... Uh, yeah like stories and things like that but I will say that my parents like casually just had Korean folktale books around sure um and they weren't like you have to read this this is your heritage but they were like oh here's like some books that you can read if you want like Uh if you're bored and um and we were a very big like book family um we like my dad would be like oh you know what we could do for fun let's all go to the bookstore and everyone pick out a book so Reading was just a big part of my childhood, and so I very casually read Korean folk tales and mythology. Um, but it, I never like made, I never like made a, a separation in my head between those and like Cinderella or sure. like Sleeping Beauty because I read them all around the same time. Until I grew up and I realized, like, oh, not every kid is growing up, like, reading about, like, nine-tailed foxes, like, devouring right. people. <laughs> so did you ever feel, because I, I get a lot of um, authors who write from things that, you know, their heritage, quote-unquote, I know you're saying Korean-American, but yeah. so, like, from the Korean aspect of your family, so we, I get a lot of people who say, like, well, I wrote a book because I wasn't seeing anyone who looked like me in these books and these types of things, like the representation, yeah. com- you know, kind of conversation. So did you ever feel that way with the being growing up like you said you read all of the kind of like Amer- I don't they're not even American fairy tales they're not even they're from Europe but yeah you know, like, like, <laughs> so did you ever but did you ever feel like there's not a lot not as many books and so that's kind of why you know you wrote Wicked Facts I'm just kind of curious from your side honestly I don't know if I would claim that exactly um you know growing up I so I grew up in in, in Central Florida mm-hmm. so there wasn't a really big Korean community sure. there so my Koreanness was very much rooted into my family mm-hmm. I felt like Korean meant family to yeah. me um, 
So, and I have a big extended family, which I'm very lucky. So, um, the idea that like I was only seeing non-Asian faces in the stories that I was absorbing felt normal to me sure. because everyone I went to school with was white and everyone that I saw around me at the grocery store was white and I was like this is the world because people are are usually white that yeah. I saw um, and I actually that uh, that's more depressing to me yeah. you know than being a child and actively noticing mm -hmm. that you're not seeing yourself I didn't even realize that it was an issue yeah um, until I got older and I went to college and I went to college in New England and there's a very big Asian community within yeah. New England and I realized like that this was a great way to get in touch with my roots in a way outside of my family mm -hmm. and it just made me kind of like see my heritage in a different way, see my culture in a different way, um, as, as less of like a family interaction and more of like a social interaction. Um, and that's kind of when I started to be like, oh, my experience is interesting to other people and I would like to talk about that more. And so then when I started writing, I just like ended up incorporating it um, because it just felt more natural to me to do that because I always been Korean. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert, you guys. You no, heard it here first. <laughs> that's so interesting, though, because I have spoken to some authors who come from diverse backgrounds or who might be, you know, wherever they, wherever they happen to live in the United States or elsewhere, they mm -hmm. happen to be a minority, and they kind of said the same thing. Where like, they're like, I was so indoctrinated into, like, these books are, like, the white person in the book is the main person that yeah. they said that they started writing short stories and they were writing white people in their stories, and finally, like, one of them said, my like teachers it was like why aren't you writing stories that come from your background and they, it was like a light bulb went off they're like oh my god it, there's so much white around yeah it's, yeah it's really I'm always just really interested in like how you know like you said growing up with mythology but I also understand that it can be lazy to ask a question like this doesn't define me this isn't you know, yeah I mean it, it it doesn't define it doesn't define me in like a way of being like my Koreanness always needs to be like right. a hot topic, yeah. but my Koreanness is always present, uh -huh. and I think that that's where I am with like my writing. Like it's always going to be present, yeah. but I don't need to be like dissecting it on every yeah. sentence on the page. Yeah. That said, there's a lot of like Korean like pop culture and K drama and stuff in here, correct? Yeah. Okay, so for because I was describing this to my wife who has never watched a K drama in her life, and she's like, "What's the difference?" And I couldn't come up with a good way to describe it. It's so, like for people who might not know. What would you say is like some defining characteristics of K-drama that kind of you worked into your book? So, um, so, well, first I'll kind of explain like on a structure level, yeah. like it's, it's, this is not, doesn't have to do with my book, but on a structure level, Korean dramas are one season long always. Mm -hmm. Like there's rarely a K-drama that's longer than one season. Yeah. And so it is a full story compacted within those like 12 to 20 episodes and it's very satisfying because you know that like before they made this k-drama they thought of what the whole entire arc uh -huh. would be so it, i i find korean dramas to be really satisfying as a whole story because it feels very complete and well thought out yeah um as opposed to like season to season like we got to think of a new baddie you know uh -huh. which happens a lot in western television um and so i i I like the I like how tight the storytelling is in Korean dramas, and then on top of that, there's a lot of themes that I've always said I thought really intersected with young adults really well, because a lot of Korean dramas are about 
finding your identity, finding your place within the world, um, kind of like creating these relationships that are significant in shaping who you are and how you see the world around you. And it's very, very character and relationship driven no matter what the genre is. And I think that that's a through theme within young adults as well because it's a very, it's talking about a very formative time. Yeah. And, and so I think, why. not to cut you off, I'm sorry, but I think that's why, you know, now that there's so many more ways to get access to Korean drama now, like streaming, and I feel like exactly what you said, that's why they become so wildly popular in the Western because they do align really well with YA, like yeah. the emotions that young adult, young adults are going through for the first time, and like, not only and when we, you know, when we were all teenagers, we had these big emotions. But it was the first time we were having them. So like, yes. I, I think you're absolutely right. Like that's it perfectly encapsulates all of those big yeah. feelings, I suppose. For sure. And it's kind of like I know there's always a, there's sometimes a conversation around the fact that a lot of the audience for young adult is actually adults. Yeah. Adults. Uh-huh. Um, and I think it's silly be, to like think that that's surprising because. Young adult themes, yes, we're talking about like every like the first time you're feeling something, mm-hmm. but people do feel those emotions like regularly yeah. through your adulthood. You're, there's always a re- you can always reinvent yourself. Yeah. You can always fall in love again. Uh-huh. You can always do these things again. Yeah. And so the feelings are still very familiar. Mm-hmm. And I think Korean dramas acknowledge that because Korean dramas aren't only about teenagers. Yeah. There's ones that are about like older adults too. Uh-huh. Um, and they still focus on those emotions mm-hmm. as well. So I think that's... I, you just, I think, described why adults, myself included, read YA better than anyone that I've ever heard is because <laughs> ex- exactly what you said. It's like when we're young adults, we're feeling these emotions for the first time, but we don't stop feeling those emotions. That's, yeah. That's... Like, I want to like, <laughs> bottle that. Of, like, that's so perfect. Um, I also love that your main character is like a little rough around the edges. Like, yeah. Not, a little slight understatement. Just a little bit, um, yeah. But no, I think that makes for a more, like a more well-rounded character. Like, there's shades of gray. Like, I hate clear-cut characters, and I'm assuming that was by design for you. Yes. Oh, for sure. I, I mean, I definitely didn't want anyone to be purely good or purely bad. Right. I think we all do, like, live in the gray area. It just... And we all have... We all have, like, desires and... instinctive reactions that are not like Mm -hmm. the best reactions is just like the actions that we follow through after the fact are like what drive us to be more good or more bad and I really wanted that to be clear with both of my main characters um, because I think it's a constant it's a constant battle that lives within any person Um, and I just I don't know that's just like how I feel about that so with that in mind I'm always curious when it comes to kind of like fantasy worlds like I know that you took a city that exists, but obviously you've built a world around it yeah. for the story. I'm always curious, because you're talking about how they're, you know, Korean dramas, which partially inspired this, are so character-driven and those relationship-driven. So when you were building this, did you focus initially on, like, these relationships that you're going to have and sort of build a world around it? Or I guess, like, what came first, the world-building or sort of the character-building for you? I think the character-building, because you kind of touched on it, Seoul does already exist. Yeah. So... It was, it's a little bit of a cheat. Like, I knew, in general, the structure of the world that they were going to live within. So the, the more mystery, mystery thing or, like, hidden variable here was, like, what kind of characters were they going to be? Yeah. And so I definitely focused on that first and more um, because I just wanted to 
I wanted to make sure that these characters were well fleshed out because so much of the plot is rooted in their personal growth uh -huh. as opposed to like outside like action things happening. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, so I know that you know, one of the biggest challenges when writing a book is continuing to push through to finish the book and then once it's done realizing like it's not done I have a million more things to do but you have this awesome like you're part of the writer's block party is that what it's called yes that's the okay. blog yeah I want to I'm so jealous of this can you kind of tell us a little bit about it because it's like the most like it just looks like the most positive wonderful little group of people yeah it's it's you know we, every once in a while, we have these moments where we stop and we're like, we're so lucky. And it seems so corny, but it's it's because we're very, very aware of how like we formed this group in, at a time where we all needed the same thing. Yeah. And we came up together. And so we've all been experiencing very similar things around the same time. Yeah. So it's been just like such a great, supportive group in that sense. And yeah, and honestly, it wasn't like we all met at the exact same time and we're like, let's form a group and let's be best friends forever. It was more like, <laughs> I mean, I guess that could happen. It just uh -huh. didn't happen for us. It was more like, like some people met and then that, per, like that, so one person knew another person and one person knew another person and we just started uh -huh. like clumping together slowly over the course of like a few months. Yeah. And like it, it really grew very organically, which I think is the really important thing is that sometimes people see these groups of writer friends and they're like oh they're really good friends and they're all publishing at the same time yeah. I immediately want that but they don't see how long it took for us to like grow a friendship where we could innately trust each other yeah. and, and trust each other's judgment and know that like they'll will be honest with each other and give each other good feedback yeah. um, and so that kind of that kind of took longer than we might show on the outside. Sure. Um, and then from that, the Writer's Block Party is our blog. Yeah. And that just mostly grew from the fact that we have a group chat where we are the biggest nerds <laughs> that you could ever imagine. And we like dissect, we're like, we're like, let's dissect elemental magic systems for six days. Like legitimately, and then we're like, "This is some good stuff. Maybe we should like blog about right. it." Yeah, <laughs> it's, so, it's so funny. Like then you realize, like, "Oh no, we're not the only weird one." There's oh so many like yeah. people in the community. <laughs> but no, just like that having that that community of people who understand what you're going through, and like you said, because I feel like writing as someone who also writes, I feel like it's such a lonely feeling. And not only is it lonely because it's an act that you're doing by yourself, unless of course you're in a group writing together, <laughs> but also then like. It's it's so much for me to even ask like you look my wife I'm like do you want to read this and I'm like mm -hmm. super hesitant that she's gonna give me feedback and then she's like I'm not gonna give you feedback that's gonna upset you and it's like it takes so much to be able to not only show someone else's work but then look at someone else's work and like you said honestly say here's how I would improve it and yeah it has to help the like the whole process as a whole yeah no it definitely does and like I think we all respect each other's talent mm -hmm. like it like really really respect each other's talent I think that's a big part of it too and I I honestly think like part of it is that we don't have this is gonna sound weird we don't have expectations of each other yeah so it's like we say in the group of like it's like a group of like 12 people in this mm -hmm. group chat like oh I finished my manuscript does anyone have time to read it yeah. and when you when someone asks that they honestly mean like you can say yes or no uh -huh. I'm not gonna be mad if you say no yeah. um, 
And I'm not going to be like, a judge, be like, oh, well, you're not the one I wanted to say yes. You know, if someone says yes. We honestly, we honest, we mean what we say. Yeah. You know, and we're very honest with each other and we're, and we communicate with each other constantly. Yeah. And if anything like ever happens, we talk about it immediately. And I just think that's the most important thing is that like, Yes, we all got together because we're all writers, so in a way we got together for professional reasons, but we all respect each other on like a human level that makes it a lot easier for us to talk to each other. So for someone who would be an aspiring writer and maybe doesn't have the, maybe they're not as outgoing or they don't have the like kind of like, maybe this even like the self-esteem to say, I'm ready to join a group of people who are going (laughs) to tell me if my writing sucks. Yeah. Um. Like, what would you kind of suggest to someone who's trying, as as someone who's going through this process for the first time with a debut novel, like, what would yeah. you say to someone else who's trying to get to that point? I would say that the only thing you need to be published is a good book. Yeah. That's all you need. You don't need a thousand followers on Twitter. You don't need five writer friends. You don't need, like, any of that. You just need a good book. So, and everyone individually needs different types of support yeah. in order to survive the industry so don't don't judge like your journey based on other people's if honestly you just need one friend who reads your book and you're comfortable with that then that's completely fine yeah. and actually before I became part of this big group I literally had one person only one person that I would send my writing to for like a couple of years yeah. so and I was comfortable with that mm-hmm. um, and so I just think that the worst thing you can do is try to cater your experience and your journey based on somebody else mm-hmm. because it's never going to feel the same. Yeah, I would I would have to imagine though, just because trying to get a book published is such a <laughs> depressing process. It can be really hard. You can get a hundred people to say no before yeah. one says yes. Uh-huh. I have to imagine having this group chat of fellow people who are kind of just like it has like the positivity of everybody has to really help as well oh for sure no I mean I'm not telling people to like be hermits yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's not what I'm saying um but yeah having having at least one person who kind of understands what you're going through is really really great um and having that person be in publishing Uh is great because then you don't have to explain yeah all the nuance of things um all the time so yeah no definitely you know if if you're able to and it's not affecting your mental health putting yourself out there is the best thing you can do for like when you're starting out Um, but I also think like you don't need to be like well they have five friends so I need five (laughs) friends you know like (laughs) it has to be this exact amount yeah yeah. (laughs) if you have a Voltron of friends (laughs) we're not like we're not like boy bands from the 90s like you have to have the shy one and the cool one you know it's not like like oddly old one they say is the same age as everybody else yeah Yeah. and now they've all aged like it's like putty yeah um so when you are not working on your own stuff or reading this amazing group chat like what types of books do you like to read um, actually, honestly, I like to read everything, and um, like I like to read adult romance and thrillers and nonfiction. I like really, really like nonfiction. Um, I like to read middle grade. Um, I like to read young adult, obviously. <laughs> uh, I I really re- only recently got into books in verse. Yeah. Um, because I was like really. Uh, intimidated by it uh-huh. I was like I'm not like cool and artsy enough to like <laughs> really get the spirit behind like yeah. poetry and books and verse oh and then I read Jason Reynolds long way down and oh. I was like I feel everything right now I would like to talk for six <laughs> hours about that book with you now yeah he him and like Kwame Alexander and like yes. I got to read both of them and it's like one of those things where I just look at them and I'm like 
how yeah. in the world did you do this? Like, yeah. like, <laughs> exactly. second language to them. Yeah. It's, yeah. I, I feel like there are. I feel like there's some books I read where I'm like, oh, I could do that. Yeah. And then there's books like that where you're like, that's a different language. Yeah. That's like, I, no. Like Lainey Taylor, the same thing. She doesn't oh do books in verse. She doesn't do books in verse. But like, when I, when I read her books, I'm like, you know a different form of English than I do. It's not the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, the way she sees language is, like, completely different than the way I see language. I, yeah. How dare I honestly, I had told her, I was like, how dare you? How dare you for this time? Um, so, towards the end of our podcast, we like to ans- ask nine questions. Kind of lighthearted. Not that anything else I asked you was super heavy and deep. Um, we call them the Nerd Nine because I like alliteration. <laughs> so, the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Oh my goodness, what is the last book I finished reading? Or a book you're currently reading, I will also accept. Um, a book that I am currently reading is actually There Will Come a Darkness by Katie Rose Poole. Nice. Um, it's not out yet. Okay, that's okay. But I'm sitting next to your book, which isn't out yet either. So oh yeah, that's, okay. that's true. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah. Like, I... I cannot sing enough praises for this book. Like, she's built, like, such an epic world into the point where I was like, this this world must exist somewhere because <laughs> who could make this up from no- nothing? Like, that's how intricate and detailed it is. And um, it just has, like, great characters. It's like an ensemble cast. Mm-hmm. So nice. I really love those types of books. Uh, what is your favorite place to read? Uh, probably in bed. Uh-huh. I just like to be really comfortable, and I have a lot of pillows on my bed, okay. so I just like to put them all around See, me. <laughs> I can't be that comfortable because when I fall asleep, it's like, yeah. I sleep so little that if I'm laying in bed, I'm just like, <laughs> zone out. Uh, what, do you remember the book that kind of like made you fall in love with reading as a kid? As a kid, um, I would have to say uh, the Redwall series yeah. were very formative for me. Uh-huh. Like, I loved it. And it introduced me to all the classic, like, fantasy tropes yep. in the best way ever. And yeah. the food scenes. Uh, so good. Like, honestly, like, the f- I, I've tried to put more food scenes into my book <laughs> because, because, because of the Redwall series. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, what is some place you like to travel that you have not yet been to? Um, oh, I want to go to Iceland. I, you're the second person today who has said this. So I was telling them, ironically, the Cleveland airport, even though I feel like I have to connect to go everywhere, I have to go to sh- through Chicago to go anywhere. Um... We have a direct flight to Reykjavik from Cleveland. Makes oh. no sense. Yeah. So if you need, if you're ever in Cleveland and want to go to Iceland, <laughs> there you go. Uh, are you a cat person or dog person? Dog person. Coffee or tea? Coffee. What is your favorite food? Um, I always say soup, and then people yell at me. This soup rules. Are you kidding me? It's such yeah. a broad category. It's yeah. Well, that's why they yell at me. But I'm like, no, I'm just gonna say soup. Yes. I love soup. Especially in. Are you? So you're. Do you live in New York? Mm-hmm. Okay. So your weather's like ours in Cleveland. We're like nine months out of the year. It's freezing. Oh yeah. yeah you get soup all the time. Yeah, soup's the best. Uh, what's your favorite holiday to celebrate? Um, I'm gonna say Thanksgiving. Not because of the root of the holiday, which I fully acknowledge is problematic. 100%. But because, for me personally, it represents family and food. Yeah. And those are two of my favorite things. And you don't have to worry about the gifts. Yeah. Yeah. Right <laughs> uh, and then the last one of these, what if, if you could have dinner with one person, alive or dead, who would you pick? Well, that's so hard. Oh, no. I'd have dinner with Lin-Manuel Miranda. Ooh. That is a really good one. I love everything about him. I think he's talented. I think he's super smart. Oh, yeah. I think he's just, like, innately a kind person from, like, what I can see of him. Oh, yeah. 
I just like I feel like I'd I'd leave that dinner with such joy in my heart. I, I actually tweeted one time. I was like, sometimes I just think like of all of the t- all of time from the beginning of time till now. I managed to live in the time when Manuel Miranda existed, so like, yes. I'm okay. I'm doing all right. I made yeah. it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> you made it because you live in a time yeah. where he exists. Because yeah. he exists when I exist. <laughs> yeah. Um, so last question for you. What do you hope that readers take away when they read Nick and Fox? I hope that they realize that a book that's written in a place that's not familiar to them can still speak to them because we're all human and we all feel the same exact things. Like, when we're hurt, we're sad. When we're in love, we feel joy. Like, that emotions are a universal language, and that can connect all of us, no matter where you are or what language you're speaking. That is perfect. Kat, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.